and welcome to the alternate timeline. This week, we are going to talk about the flash forward episode, Boss Bot. So you're going to hear a couple of things that I cut from that episode, including an extended version of Julia and I taking personality tests, which was very fun and silly, and then a secret. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, First, a little bit more about the Myers-Briggs. I mentioned the history of that test a little bit on the episode, but I wanted to say a little bit more because it is really interesting. And the Myers-Briggs test is also probably kind of the test that you know, right? Like you've heard it, maybe you've taken it. Um, Like I mentioned in the episode, uh, it was not actually that popular when it was first developed, but it sort of took off in the 70s and 80s and kind of has taken on a life of its own. Um, You know, schools do give it to students sometimes to like help them understand themselves. Um, You've almost certainly at least heard of it probably have taken it. I don't know, maybe not. Um, But it's very popular. So let's talk a little bit more about the history. So the test was first developed in the early to mid 1900s by Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers. So Catherine is the mom and she was super interested in personality types kind of her whole life. She thought they were really interesting and she would particularly notice apparently when people had different personalities than you know, their their family members or something like that. Like a kid is super different from his dad or something. Um, and she kind of wanted to understand why that would be the case or why that would happen. And she would read these biographies of famous people or even sort of medium famous people and try to kind of classify the people that she was reading about into types to kind of think about their personalities. And originally she came up with four personality types and the four were meditative or thoughtful, spontaneous, executive, and social. And those are the four that she had kind of come up with in like early, like 19 teens. Um, then in 1923, an English translation of Carl Jung's book, Psychological Types, was published and so she could read it. And she obviously did read it. And she kind of decided that Jung's theory was a lot better developed, a lot deeper than hers. And she really liked it. So she kind of adapted her work to fall into his ideas or her interpretation of his ideas, depending on who you ask. Um, Meanwhile, sort of her daughter, Isabel, is like a star student. Um, In 1919, she graduated first in her class from Swarthmore. um, And her daughter is also interested in these ideas that her mother is probably constantly talking about in the house and stuff like that. Um, And so she kind of joins her mother to help her work on this research. Um, My favorite fun fact about Isabel Myers is that in 1929, she won the National Detective Murder Mystery Contest for a novel that she wrote called Murder Yet to Come, which apparently includes a bunch of stuff in it about personality types. I have not read it. Um, I don't actually really enjoy murder mystery, so I haven't read it, but apparently it does like hinge kind of on these ideas of personality types. Um, and it won that award. So mother daughter team up, they spend the next 20 ish years working on this. And the official handbook that they developed was not published until 1944. But as you heard on the episode, you know, in 1944, it comes out and people didn't take it that seriously, particularly men in the field of psychology and psychological testing for a variety of reasons, some of which are valid that the test has plenty to critique, and then some of which are rooted in sexism. Um, And it wasn't really until the 70s that the test really took off and kind of took on a life of its own and became this thing that, you know, so many people have heard of. Um... Another thing that we didn't talk about on the episode really at all is the validity of this test or really any of the other tests out there. 
Um, they are, it's hard <laughs> to validate a lot of this stuff. You know, personality is kind of a tricky concept. It's a complicated concept. Um, some people would argue that all personality tests are basically bogus. Um, other people would argue that that's not the case. Definitely there are quote unquote more and less scientific versions of these tests. Um, the Myers-Briggs in particular is both sort of loved and hated. You know, some people swear by it. Some people absolutely can't stand it. Um, particularly among sort of professionals in the field of statistical sort of like psychological analysis. A lot of them really hate the Myers-Briggs um, because it isn't quite as quantitative. It doesn't, um, there are lots of studies trying to evaluate if it's good or not. And uh, most of them say that it's not very good. Again, we're not really going to totally get into it, but the, just to kind of reflect how a lot of the field talks about this test, there's this expert named Robert Hogan who once wrote, quote, most personality psychologists regard the MBTI as little more than an elaborate Chinese fortune cookie. So really just like, it's just chance what you get. Um, I think that's probably overly harsh, right? Like there are certain things that show up in the Myers-Briggs test that show up in the in similar ways, in the more well-accepted, let's say, versions of the test. There are some that come out of clinical testing. So there are some that come out of clinical psychology, which are slightly different and have sort of more, um, they're more statistically based, right? They're, they're less about quantitative ways of thinking and more sort of qualitative, which, you know, I'm not going to get deep into this. There's lots of ways of thinking about this. Um, I think that, you know, the idea that we could really quantitate quantitate, <laughs> quantitatively actually studies personality, I think is a bit hubristic. Um, and, um, and I don't know if I totally buy that, but also right, there are better and worse versions. The Myers-Briggs is popular, but probably not particularly robust scientifically. Um, it's just really hard to study personality, right? Um, and, uh, that said, I think a lot of experts, you know, once they get off their high horse about statistical analysis, would probably say that like there's really no harm in taking the Myers-Briggs test if you want to, if you like have any interest in that. That seems fine. Like whatever, just you know, do do what you want. Um, there's no like you know, I don't know. It's it's not going to give you like a clinical outcome that might be bad, right? It's just like a fun quiz to take, so go for it. Um, if you do want to learn more about sort of the science behind personality tests and personality, there's a really great episode of the podcast Ologies about it. It's called Personality Psychology with Dr. Samin Vizier. I will link to that in the show notes so you can listen to that. And there is one test um, that Dr. Vizier talks about on that episode that is sort of the one that most experts agree on as being kind of the most accurate, quote unquote, if not some kind of absolute truth. And it's called the big five. I will link to a way that you can take that if you want to, if you enjoy taking quizzes and you want to see what that one gets you. So um, I'll put those links in the show notes. Okay. With all of that being said about tests, here is a longer cut of Julia and I taking some. And I will say that um, the tests that we took for this conversation were actually recommended by Kira Lucier, who you heard on the episode. So I asked Kira which ones we should take, and we took those ones. So that's sort of how I decided which ones to take. So that's what you'll hear now. All right. Good. Excellent. Okay. Um, so let's start maybe. You took a test like this in high school? Yeah, I think actually it was when I was in college. Okay. For some reason, I was like, I just need to like figure out, am I doing the right thing with my life? And so I looked one up because I never had to take one in high school. 
I had to take one in high school and it told me to be a cinematographer, which was a word I had never heard before. And I had to ask my guidance counselor what that meant. And she was like, I think it's a movie thing. And I was like, it's not helpful. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like that's sort of adjacent to what you do. But, you know, it's, it is different. Yeah, mine told me that I should be a doctor, which was like just not – I mean, like I, I didn't want to go into science. I don't like blood or injuries. I'm very grossed out by that stuff. So it was just like, no, this this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I At the time, I was like, this is absurd. Cinematographer, that's ridiculous because I wanted to be a scientist. And I was like, I'm going to be a scientist. Really I know funny. what I'm going to be doing. And, of course, that is not what happened. <laughs> so, um, um, do you like taking personality quizzes? I like taking them, but they also kind of stress me out. Like, I'm always like, am I picking the wrong thing? Like, am I accurately assessing myself? I almost kind of wish someone else could, like, do it for me. Like, a friend could just do it for me. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like sometimes I'm taking them, and I know that there is a difference between my actual answer and what I wish my answer was for certain, like, personality traits. Or I'm like, I want to be the kind of person who is this. But in reality, that's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's maybe a part of it for me as well. I'm like, I do. Can can I put this? I think I should put this. But yeah, well, especially if you are taking this in like the context of potentially getting a job, I feel like I would be like, OK, what is going to get me the outcome that I want? Like what is going to steer right. me towards the desired job or desired yeah yeah there's that part of it where you're trying to think about like what will this answer get me in the end or what will the result be that you're kind of trying to like figure that out while you're taking it but you're definitely not supposed to do for like psychology tests (laughs) you're not supposed to be trying to like figure out what the experiment (laughs) is um but I will say Kira did say when I talked to her about these tests is she was like yeah psychologists know that we all do that and so they try to design the test in such a way that like you can't necessarily trick it because they know that we're all lying basically all the time (laughs) is that reverse psychology i think so term is for exactly wow yeah we've all been had um okay i'm gonna send you let's start with this one which is called the young typology test i don't know that all of these are going to give us like job reactions but um I th- or like job answers but I think then we can google like what is that like a good job for like this personality type this is the one you've probably heard of it where it's like INTP it's like the four letters that you get oh, at the okay. end uh-huh. I know I've taken this and I have no idea what I am so okay let's take this one first okay yeah I've um, definitely taken this before also but I don't I don't remember what I am yeah And then I guess we can just like quietly take them and then t- say when you're done. But if a question okay. does strike you, you can be like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I just, the first one, you are almost never late for your appointments. I, I have to say no on that one, but I feel bad about it. It's funny. I was late for this literal appointment, but I actually am almost never <laughs> late for appointments. Uh, it's interesting that the middle choice is uncertain instead of like somewhere in between. Right. Like sometimes two. yes, sometimes no. Right. I oh, like that yeah. they are sig- showing you that how strongly you feel about yes or yes or no or no by just like yes yeah, just in all caps. caps. <laughs> yeah. 
I just got to, you feel that the world is founded on compassion, which is like, oh, that's a big question. It's a big question. (laughs) What does that have to do with what job I should have? I guess Um, if you're really not compassionate, you probably shouldn't be like a teacher or something. I guess that's true. Yeah. Ooh, number 11 is very much about this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You often think about humankind and its destiny only as my literal job. (laughs) I feel like these questions about like, do you trust like science or your feelings? I'm always like, I like to think about both. Like, do I have to pick one? Yeah, it feels like a false binary. Uh maybe uncertain is the yeah the middle is weird because it's like it's not that I'm uncertain it's that I want to be in the middle of all of this it's yeah right it's like both maybe or depends on situation there should be an option for that man it's something I'm embarrassed by you find it difficult to speak loudly no I'm way too loud all the time I don't even know what this question means. You willingly involve yourself in matters which engage your th- sympathies? Like, I'd, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that kind of reminds me of the, like, is the world essentially <laughs> empathetic question? <Yeah. laughs> like, I don't know. A lot of these are about whether you like to plan things in advance. Yeah. That in seems to be a crucial various ways. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you are always looking for opportunities. I'm not totally sure what that means, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm done. All right, what did you get? Okay, I got INFJ. Ooh, okay, I got INFP. (laughs) Ooh, okay, interesting. So that's introvert, intuitive, feeling, and then I am perceiving, and are you judging? Is that? Yeah, yeah. It, mine says, so I have a moderate preference for introvert and intuitive, but only a slight preference for feeling and judging. Similar, except I'm flipped for perceiving over judging. Interesting. Oh, and then, oh, okay. So on the bottom, it says career choices for your type. Let's click on that. Okay, great. Okay, I have, we probably have some similar ones because we have mostly similar things. What does yours say? Mine says, okay, social services, so social work, education, librarian, healthcare is here again. (laughs) Um, Although this time it says early childhood education and psychology, which is a little different from like a surgeon maybe. And then arts and humanities, graphic design, um, and just arts and humanities. That seems kind of broad, but yeah. what does yours say? Similar stuff, although the examples underneath, so social services, but my examples they give are counseling, religious education, and just education. And then mm-hmm. I also got healthcare, but I got psychology and psychotherapy as my two like examples. And then arts and humanities, I have musician, archaeology, and anthropology, um, oh. which is interesting. Um. Let's see, education type. Man, there's so many things here. Oh, organization and business. Oh, we're not a business user because um, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, click on, um, see on the top right, it says famous people who are your INF. Um, wait, is this on once we're on the careers page, Yeah, on the careers. Or... If you go like at the top, it says you, INF, mine says P, and then it says at the bottom, like famous INFPs. Oh, famous INFJs. Okay. Okay, who do you have? Let's see. Uh, Chaucer, <laughs> Goethe, 
uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, nice. How do, they, how do they know Temple, these things? Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Yeah, how do they know these things? Because like, I have surely... Homer and Virgil, and I'm a little bit like, I don't feel like yeah, they took mine this also quiz. includes <laughs> Aristophanes, and I'm like, I don't think they had invented <laughs> this quiz at that time. Um, I also have William Shakespeare, which I feel good about, and Mary, ooh. Mother of Jesus, is on my list. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess uh, she was a, a social worker of a type. It's true. It's true. Some of the more recent examples are also weird because I, oh, Terry Gross. Nice. Um, nice. But then also John F. Kennedy Jr., Lisa Kudrow, and Fred Savage are the most recent ones on my list, which is kind of weird. Interesting. I also have um, Carrie Fisher, Jerry nice. Seinfeld, um, Evangeline Lilly. I've been rewatching Lost lately. So there you go. That's a great one. I got Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> Should I again have questions about how you know that about this character? Yeah. Oh my God, wait. I also have Mother Teresa. I feel like oh. that's very, we have a lot of like, um, I don't know, like sort of mythic figures. Yeah. Like, you know, very interesting. Nice. Yeah. All right. Now I know INFP and I should, we should, we have similar job stuff. Um, okay, I'm gonna now send you a different one, and let's see if these how these match up because this will be fun. Okay. okay, this one's called Sixteen Personalities, and then there's a button on the upper right that says Take the Test. Okay, you know I think that my my cousin has maybe trying been trying to get me to take this one. I feel like I've heard oh really this before, but. As mentioned, I get stressed out by having to decide what is true about me, yes. so I haven't taken it. Yeah. Um, okay, so this one is like also a scale of agree to disagree. Seems similar. Yeah, you get a little bit more like nuance in the gradation. You get one extra bubble between. Right. Like, and the good. middle is not necessarily uncertain. It's just right, kind just of gray. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. When looking for a movie to watch, you can spend ages browsing the catalog. This is really calling me out. Yeah. I feel like I mostly just don't end up watching a movie. I'll just be like, this is too too many choices. I also, I really like watching trailers. So I'll just watch like 20 different trailers and then be like, oh, those all look great. But like, I haven't actually watched a movie. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like I end up just watching like YouTube videos of things that I like are not stressful. Because then it's Mm, like, I don't have to worry about like plot yeah like picking one <laughs> yeah. major thing yeah that's understandable Jeez, some of these questions usually pre- prefer to get your revenge rather than forgive is like a very intense <laughs> question <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah oh this one also has you like discussing different views and theories on what the world could look like in the future yeah yeah, there are a couple that are like you tend to focus on present realities rather than future possibilities. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, do you know about this yeah. podcast? <laughs> we work on. Give feedback. You're like, you should really listen to this podcast called Flash Forward. <laughs> All right, see results. My personality type is mediator. INFPT. That's so funny. We've switched because I got INFP last time from the other test, right. and you got INF. J. J and I got INFJ T for this one and you got wow INFP. interesting maybe they're just uh like slightly different metrics yeah. like <laughs> that's really interesting wait so what's the T in this one I don't totally understand mine says diplomat is my uh 
thing. Interesting. See, what is Diplomat and mediator do seem similar. What's the little like um, cartoon for yours? Mine kind of looks like a hippie woman with like butterflies around her. Mine looks like a wizard. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's kind of cool. Yeah. Like wizard and or like, I don't know, like sort of Socrates-esque, but he's got a big, big, long beard. Mm. Um, nice. Oh, mine says the advocate personality type is very rare, making less of less than 1% of the population. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I know. That very, is very exciting. Yes, very exciting. Let's see. Okay, I see a career paths. Oh, yeah, let's click on that thing. It is perhaps more challenging for mediators to find a satisfying career than any other type. Wow, it's really not making this easy for me. Wow, mine says advocates are likely to find that most corporate career paths are not designed for them, but for those focused on their status and material gain. Fair enough. I can make an independent podcast. <laughs> and then it says, oh, it says, however, people with this personality are able to find work that suits them in just about any field. That is not helpful. <laughs> There's a there's an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where like Malcolm takes a test like this in like high school or whatever and I don't know if you ever watched that show but like the whole premise is that he's a genius basically. Um, okay, yeah, I haven't really seen it, but yeah, and so he takes this test and he's got this like guidance counselor who's like the classic sort of like sitcom deadbeat guidance counselor who like just like is not very smart and whatever and hates Malcolm because Malcolm is clearly like very brilliant and so Malcolm mm-hmm. takes this test because he's like I don't know what to do with my life blah 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 and the test basically just says like you'd be good at everything because you're a genius and the guidance counselor is like pissed at him and he's like oh boo-hoo for you Mr. <laughs> genius and Malcolm's like this doesn't help me at all <laughs> right like <laughs> I should find a clip of that and put it put it in because it is like very much like oh any job yeah and you're, like, that's cool. really funny <laughs> that's not helpful Let's see. Is there a list of? Oh, it's just like general. Uh, yeah, I guess it does just seem like general. Um, mine also says seemingly every mediator's dream growing up is to become an author, which I is not wrong. Like, <laughs> Fair I enough. definitely wanted to write. Like, <laughs> you could still become an author. It's plenty of time. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah, wait. At the top, mine says INFJ-A slash INFJ-T. And then it says, what's the difference? Good question. That is, that is exactly my oh, question. Yeah. Oh, it's assertive too. versus turbulent. Oh. What does that okay. mean? Okay. Well, not knowing what that really means, I feel that it might be accurate that I got turbulent. But <laughs> <laughs> mine apparently is like split enough between the two that it's not. Like, there's not not much of a difference. Let's see. 78% of assertive advocates feel that they, like, they effectively manage the stress in their life compared to 28% of turbulent advocates. Man, it would be so fun to, like, make this shit up. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I also, um, when I was younger, I really liked the idea of, like, making quizzes. like Like, the personality quizzes and, like, teen magazines totally i think like that's the appeal also of the like sorting hat you know like harry potter thing where it's like oh you answer yeah. questions and like what house are you supposed to be in and all that stuff that should be the third one that we take just like the um, oh i know harry what house potter i am sorting quiz i i took the official quiz at some point and i got gryffindor 
but I'm not sure that's really accurate. Like, mm. I feel like I'm more of a Ravenclaw, to be honest. Interesting. Interesting. I am Slytherin 100%. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Which I don't, yeah, I guess is fine. I, I don't actually, like, have a, I never really read Harry Potter, so I don't actually, I know that Slytherins, like, they're mostly the villains, but everyone's like, no, they also have good people, and, like, I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there's kind of a, like, people who like to sort of critically read the books like to be Slytherins because it's kind of like the the hated figure in the books. Yeah. But then it's like, is that right? Right, right. Like. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, I wish this gave us a list of jobs, but it's not going to give us a list of jobs. So, man, I want, can you take a screenshot of your little figure? Because I, like, I want to see what it oh, looks like. Oh, yeah. And I'll show Let's you mine see. is like a little wizard guy. What does constant improvement mean? Strategies, constant improvement. Oh. I mean, a lot of this, I feel like this is like reading a horoscope where it's like, yeah, I guess this is true. Like, you know, <laughs> <Right>. like, sure. <laughs> That's my problem with all of this stuff is I'm like, everything anyone says, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds like kind of accurate. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's sort of hard to be like, is that really right about Exactly. Me? Um... Okay, let's see. Okay, the next test we're going to take is called the DISC personality test, which apparently is, okay. Kira was saying, is used in, like, workplaces and hiring and stuff like that. So um, let's see what happens next. Oops, okay. How does this work? Answer on it. Should it takes you five. Study all the descriptions. Select the one description. Oh, okay. Sorry. This is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> There's like these boxes and you just pick the one of the four statements that feels the most like you. Oh, okay. And then one that's the least like you. Because I was like trying to click like, yes, this feels like me for each, for a couple of these. And it's like, oh, you can't actually pick more than one. You pick one. I see. I see. All right. Okay. I enjoy having fun. <laughs> Who doesn't enjoy having fun? I know. That's why some of these I was like, yes, sure. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. It's weird because I'm like, which one of these is the least true and the most true? I'm like, I don't really know. This is harder than right. the other ones. It's kind of a hard. It's it's definitely a different format that I'm yeah. used to for these. <laughs> one of these is most people find me acceptable. And it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> So yeah, do you, I don't even <laughs> yeah, know. If, yeah, that's like not do you really even a want good that? Thing. Yeah, like I don't feel like you want that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, on the next one, there's a annoying gender binary drop down. Just FYI. Oh, okay. Super annoying. I feel like these often have things it's like that. It's like, why do you need to know that? Yeah, why is that going to change the results? Yeah, I'm very curious. You try both. Yeah. All right, I got the demographic questions. Wow, and it needs to know educational level. Yeah. Is this going to change? I would be so curious if it changes anything. Because, right, like... Yeah, like, especially in terms of jobs, it would be interesting if right. it... Let's see. Okay, so I don't totally know how to read this, yeah. but I guess the biggest piece of my pie is dominance. Same. And then 
Next biggest is steadiness, then compliance, and then influence. Interesting. Mine is biggest is dominance. It's like basically half of the pie. And Uh then second one is influence, 36%. And then steadiness and compliance are both 7%. Oh, interesting. Mine is much more even. So dominance is 36%. Steadiness is 27%, compliance is 22%, and influence is 16 Interesting. So this page does not seem to like give you very much in terms of career anything. This is like, it just gives you this weird pie chart. Um, right. But I did do some Googling, and I found a site that says, what are the best jobs? Wait, how do we... Did I have us take the wrong? Oh, hmm. Maybe we might have to take it a different time because, which will be interesting to see if it's, we get the same results. With yeah, questions. it's the same. Because this version, this says like there are letters that say like personality type D, DC, DI, but this doesn't seem to give us that. It just gives us this like pie chart. Right. I guess I wonder if that's based on like the your top two or right. something. But some of them are, well, let's see. Okay, I'm actually going to have you take this other one which is going to give us the letters sorry and then it'll be interesting to see if we have a similar because these are different questions and these are like you toggle them it doesn't it's not it's not asking you in that same weird way with like pick the most and least this is just like oh okay this is like it's most important to me to blank okay interesting Okay, so I got disc personality type C, caution. Ooh, interesting. I got dominance again, which is the same as my like pie chart being like 50%. Right. Yeah, I don't even think caution wasn't even one of the words on mine before. Yeah. I don't know what, if that's, it's maybe that's compliance? the same as compliance. It's which is also sort of like C. Yeah. Okay, so you're disc, okay, disc personality type C. Okay, it says, I'm going to read to you here. The C personality type requires a large amount of independence, privacy, and isolation. They are hesitant to join social groups and take longer to become comfortable with others. Their analytical perception of life brings unique qualities to the work environment. These people know which questions to ask using a systemic, systematic approach, making them outstanding problem solvers. By analyzing information and learning from previous data or outcomes, they display exemplary decision-making abilities. So then it goes on to say, here are the DISC personality careers. Engineer, analyst, scientist, developer, systems administrator, data scientist, investment analyst, and actuary. Wow, that's so, they're all so math related. Yeah. I will say I I did really love math in high school. Then I got to like college level math and I was like, this doesn't, my brain (laughs) just can't really do this. But yeah. It's interesting. I'm scrolling through the other careers that they give, and I'm trying to see if even like media is on here because most of these are like directors, managers, professors. Oh, here we go. Disc I personality types are writer, artist, graphic artist, designer, musician, and that's strong socialization skills. I feel like artists are not necessarily like socializers. Yeah. Maybe what this is telling us is a lot of people who are artists shouldn't be artists. Like, yeah. it's not really ideal for them. Or it's telling but us I that the know. people who design business personality tests don't know any artists. <laughs> yeah, that's also very possible. <laughs> Mine is D for dominance. And there's a picture of a person riding a motorcycle. And then it says, um, 
oh where are we I just lost it it was like CEO lawyer like all these like super (laughs) awful like what does it say let's see I gotta find it here we go Okay, it says D personality has a strong drive for success. They focus on results by working quickly and making efficient direct decisions, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, yeah, these factors make them highly qualified for as the following. Presidents, founders, CEOs, police officers, oof, lawyers, directors. And then it just says any other professions that display power. <laughs> You're like, it makes wow, me sound like a really? megalomaniac. <laughs> I know. It's funny, too, because I feel like a lot of the questions in these are always like, do you like enjoy stepping on other people to get ahead and it's like no like that sounds so mean but then it's also like when you're thinking about like business or career I feel like a lot of the questions can sort of have either a positive or negative connotation to them depending on the context totally yeah and it's also like one of those things where I'm like I don't know if it's like a bad person I don't care like if it's like some like crappy white guy like sure (laughs) like you know like I don't care that's a great point yeah they need to have an option for that yeah right exactly I feel like case by case basis man um man I okay so here's a question for you let's say that we're in this future and you take a quiz and it says like all right Julia you are gonna now be assigned a job as a social worker Like, would you just be like, okay, I guess that's what's happening. Or would you be like, no, I'm not doing that. It's interesting because I, when you started saying all the ones from this last one that are like engineer, data analyst, it's like, I feel like if I really thought it wasn't a job I could do well, I would have a hard time doing it. Like, I think I would just have in the back of my mind, like, I'm not the right person to be doing this. Like, why did it assign this to me? It was wrong. Like... I feel like it would just be really hard for me to forget that and just try to do the work with something like, you know, a social worker, maybe something that's more, I guess, one feels like a type of thinking I know how to do. And two is maybe something more that I've considered before. I think it would be a little easier to just be like, okay, well, it said I should be like a psychologist as opposed to a teacher. I guess that's fine. You know, it's sort of the same general category. Yeah. I don't know. How about for you? I well, I hate following rules, so I would definitely just be like, no, I'm doing my own thing. Like <laughs> I just feel like there's yeah, I'm not I'm not a great person to ask about this. But I was thinking about like if I was in high school, like, you know, because right now, like you and I both like we have like put a lot of time into like having a career and like thinking about like what we want to be doing and like finding something to do. Right. But I feel like if this was if we were given this quiz like senior year of high school. Or like you don't really know what you want to be doing. Right. That would like would be that feel different. different, right? Like where it's like not that like I don't think in high school I knew what I was gonna be good at. I didn't have any idea. Yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like I mean, I feel like I did get messages from my teachers, like especially my English teachers were always like, You're a really good writer. And I feel like that did sort of influence that I was like, Oh, okay, like I'm good at writing and like creating narratives, so like I'm gonna try to figure out something within that where it was like It wasn't necessarily someone saying like, I don't know, though, these were also like mentors that I trusted. It wasn't like a robot telling Mm. me to do it. So that Mm -hmm. might be sort of different. Like I felt like it was someone who like really saw and understood who I was and what I cared about and was like, here's what I think you should do versus maybe something that feels more like just in, I don't know, like inhuman or like not very emotional in its decision making. Right. Like, does the algorithm actually know you compared to, like, your teacher who spent, right. you know, the last years knowing you? Yeah. And I mean, like you were saying, it's like, do, does it know any artists? Does it know what this is going to be like in practice? Or is it just going based on data? 
Yeah, it's interesting. One thing Kira said is that um, for a while, one of the ways that they would try to do these kinds of, um, you know, like personality career tests is they would, there was actually an institute at Berkeley where they would literally just like get a bunch of architects and bring them to this, like it was actually a frat house apparently, and have them live in this frat house for like a week and do like all these tests on them to try to figure out like what makes an architect and then like go with the next job and go with the next job. Right, like how would you figure that out? But then it's like, if you have a category like artist, like there's so right, many different so things. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yeah, is it like painters are only like even within painting, there's like so many different types of painting and different types of people. And it just feels like it would be so hard to even design this in a way that was functional. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it also feels like important to have people with different personality types in one field or one office, at least. Like, I wonder what would happen if you just like put all the people who got the artist result in a room and we're like, okay, you guys make all the art now. Like, I don't really think that would work. (laughs) That is interesting, right? Like, would it all look the same? Yeah, yeah. Or they all, like, get along or hate each other, right? Like, which types like each other? Which types are like, I'm going (laughs) to kill you. Um, So these tests have not made you question your current career. No, I mean, I think the, the first two kind of confirmed that, like, I think those were both in line with, like, how I think of myself like being in a profession that has a lot to do with like research and educating other people and sharing knowledge. The last one I I just think is wrong to be honest. So I'm just gonna ignore it. Good. I feel like that is how you should take these where it's like you like the ones that are like that feels helpful and good. Take it and the rest of them right like whatever. <laughs> I feel very much yeah I, the last one I feel a little bit like stressed out by where it's like this big and the the my pie chart oh, the wait, main wait, one is red for the last one what oh. were the professions oh it was like ceo like lawyer oh, right, right. You said, okay. <laughs> police officer <laughs> yeah it just makes me oh, sound God. like a psychopath because it's like you're a dominant person and i'm like i don't think of myself i like i mean i like know what i'm doing but like i'm i don't know it makes me sound like some psychopath um yeah, because it's very much like in the my pie chart is it's red and it's this big red half the pie chart that just says dominance. <laughs> like, oh, oh Jesus! <laughs> like, like, I want to go back to being likened to Mary, mother of Jesus, instead. Yeah. <laughs> like, what happened to Mother Teresa? Yeah, Bring exactly. that back. Yeah. Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Yeah. <laughs> Um, The last thing I wanted to say about this particular episode that I didn't end up including is the question of like lawsuits and particularly I'm interested in ableism and the ADA when it comes to things like hiring algorithms. So we talked a little bit about that Supreme Court case that says that you have to prove that you um, or you can't use a test that you can prove is treating one protected class over another. Um, And one thing I think a lot about with a lot of these sorts of algorithms and particularly things that require video or facial recognition or something like that um, is the ways in which they are biased against folks with disabilities. Um, We've talked a lot on the show about ways in which those algorithms are biased against people of color, particularly black people, but there's also this angle of the ADA and disability. So if you are asked to record a video of yourself talking to the camera and then an algorithm is going to analyze that video for something, and again, these are proprietary, so we don't really know exactly what they are analyzing for or what signals they're trying to pick up on. But I think it would be very easy to wind up with something that is biased against, say, autistic people or blind people or people with facial differences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like if you are a person with autism who stems, that that could potentially introduce a signal into the algorithm that 
maybe makes you less likely to be recommended for hiring or something like that. Um, so I asked Manish about this, and here is what he said. Yeah, so I think if you actually talk to the people who work at these companies, they'll tell you, we have no idea. You know, we can't actually tell from our data. And in, in a particular sense, they're right, because they don't actually have a human reviewing these and labeling them to say whether I think this person has a disability or not. And they don't want to be in that role. They don't want to be doing that. Um, so to them, they just have a bunch of data. Some of those data points belong to people with disabilities. They don't know which ones. And so actually, if you ask them, like, do you actually think your systems discriminate against people with disabilities? They'll say to the best of our knowledge, no, because we would have no evidence to tell us that it does. Uh, and you might not believe that, but now think about it from the perspective of trying to bring this lawsuit, right? If they can't even tell whether or not they're discriminating against people with disabilities, how would you be able to tell, right? It's very, again, without access to the algorithm uh, and like a deep understanding of it actually how it works, it's very difficult to tell this is the reason why I was rejected or this is the reason why I got a low score. Um, so if you think about actually trying to bring that lawsuit, like in, in theory, you should be able to. It's just that in practice, there's no way to even like we don't even know how to gather the evidence to show that. And I think a lot of the companies who build these tools want us to be able to do that because they want to be able to go back and make sure that their tools aren't discriminatory. Right. They're not necessarily adding, acting in bad faith, um, but they just don't know how. Uh, and I think just fundamentally, it's a difficult problem to solve because the group that you're trying to protect is unidentifiable, right? We don't want employees to know the disability status at the time that they're hiring these people, right? Um, so we don't necessarily want them to be collecting this data. But if they're not collecting this data, then how can they tell whether or not this discrimination is occurring? So it's a bit of a catch-22 there. Um, but I think, yeah, the reason that we haven't seen a case thus far is just because no one knows how to bring such a case, and I'm not even sure it is possible to bring such a case at this point. Okay, so that is that. Um, now on to a couple of other things, a couple of small things. So first, um, I want to talk a little bit about advertisements on Flash Forward, particularly a, a very specific type of advertisement. Um, and this is like a little bit of inside baseball podcast strategy stuff, but I guess that's like maybe why you listened to the bonus podcast. So sometimes you will hear me promote another show on this podcast, right? On Flash Forward. I'll say like, hey, if you like Flash Forward, you know, you'll like this other show. And usually, and usually those are what we call in the podcast business um, cross promos, which basically means that, you know, I talk about your show, you talk about my show, it's a win-win, and no money changes hands. We're just sort of like cross-promoting each other. Um, and for those, I really mostly do things that I actually think that you will like um, or shows that I listen to um, and sort of say like, hey, you know, let's, let's cross over. Sometimes other podcasts ask to buy ads on the show, in which case I am actually being paid to talk about that podcast, much like I might be paid to talk about like Squarespace or socks or something like that. Um, and in those cases, to be perfectly honest with you all um, on this bonus podcast, the bar can sometimes be a little bit lower. So sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I will say I'm never going to put something, I'm never going to talk about something that I think is like actively bad. But sometimes I'm like, eh, this show is like fine. I probably wouldn't listen to it, but like whatever, I'll take their money. Um, I, yeah, again, like I'm never going to like advertise for Joe Rogan or something like that where I feel like it's an actively offensive or dangerous content. But sometimes I do ones that like, yeah, I just like probably personally wouldn't listen to. Um, 
Now, I recognize that for you, the listener, there is no real way for you to tell the difference between those two types of podcast ads. One sort of signal, one way you could potentially tell is that sometimes I put those cross promos closer to the top of the show. So we'll be like, oh, before we go to the future, like I want to tell you about this podcast. If something is in that spot, it's almost certainly a cross promo and not an advertisement. Whereas if it comes in the like, and now a word from our sponsors break, then it's a paid ad. Um... But I also recognize that that's like confusing probably and maybe not a great strategy or a great way to think about it. Um, so I guess the question I have for you is, listeners, when you hear me talk about other shows, other podcasts, I'm curious if you tend to assume that I'm being paid and you think of them like any other advertisement that might be on the show or if you assume that I genuinely am like recommending this show from my heart of hearts, right? Like ideally I'm only ever advertising for things that I love and would buy myself, but like we all know that's not always the case, right? Ads, ads are ads. Um, and you know, again, I'm not going to advertise for something that I think is like bad or dangerous, but I don't, necessarily like love every product that I'm advertising on the show. Um, they're all fine. It's just, but it's an ad, right? Ads, ads are, ads are ads, right? That's what they are. Or, you know, when you hear me talk about podcasts, you sort of assume that like I genuinely listen to them and, and think you should too. Um, probably the latter. And I'm realizing that like I should probably set the bar a little bit higher for paid ads for podcasts, which sort of will mean leaving some money on the table. Um, I already do leave a lot of money on the ad table because I refuse to advertise for certain technology companies that I might think I might cover on the show. So like I will never do an Uber ad. I'm never going to do an ad for Amazon because I just think they're evil, but also I'm going to have to cover them. Facebook, any sort of tech company that I might have to talk about on the show, I don't do ads for those. Um, I also don't do ads for um, things that I think lean into the pseudoscience territory. So certain supplements or, you know, wellness products that sometimes ask to advertise on the show, I don't do those. So I, I do say no to a lot of ads. Um, and maybe I should just be saying no to some of these other podcast ads um, that I, where I'm like, eh, this podcast isn't that good. Um, and again, like, you know, sometimes I just want the money because I want to be able to like pay Julia and like <laughs> have the show make, make a little more money. But um, that is something I've been thinking about. And I think I'll probably change the way I do that in the future. Um, the second thing I want to talk a little bit about has to do with advice for and from the future. So the new show, um, that show is related obviously to flash forward, but it's also different. Um, I have been, I guess struggling is one way to say it, working on trying to figure out how to make the separation between advice for and from the future clear and sort of the editorial, make sure that it doesn't feel like advice for and from the future is just like a slightly different flash forward episode. Um, but I'm also kind of – one thing I'm thinking a lot about with that show is that it's sort of important for me to kind of realize and accept that the audience for that show is probably going to be really different than Flash Forward. So I started Advice for and from the Future as a place to do more, frankly, informal episodes, you know, like one conversation that's just one person that's going to be a lot less nuanced and deep and sort of long than a Flash Forward episode, right? Um and the reason for that is twofold. One, um, it sort of allows me to answer certain questions that people have asked, right, uh, about the future in my inbox. I get these questions. But it's also sort of to try and appeal to a new audience, right, people who might not want what is often an academic deep dive the way that Flash Forward provides, right? Like Flash Forward is an hour of like 
really kind of rigorous academic thinking. I'm interviewing, you know, four or five, sometimes six people for an episode. And not everybody wants that. Some people just want like a breezy conversation that kind of doesn't go that deep, but just sort of is a fun thing to listen to. Um, And it's just a really different product. And in fact, what I'm sort of realizing is that it's totally possible that Flash Forward fans might, in fact, actively dislike the advice show because it's sort of a fundamentally different kind of show, right? It's a chat show. It's not a heavily narrated, you know, deep thinky show. And that's totally fine. Um, And in fact, like in some ways, from a strategy perspective, it's probably good for me to be trying to kind of reach new audiences who aren't going to sit with an hour long sort of more thinky show. Um, The problem is that the first obvious audience for the advice show is Flash Forward listeners. Um, And in fact, um, that has become a little bit of an issue because some people have disliked the advice show enough to send me um, emails and leave mean iTunes reviews about it, being like, it's no Flash Forward, like, I like Flash Forward, but like this show sucks. And it's really hard for me to figure out how to communicate that maybe these shows are just different. And like there are many shows that I don't personally listen to, but I wouldn't say they're bad. They're just like not the kind of show that I like. And if that is the case for you and advice is not really the kind of show that you like, that's totally fine. Um, But I'm struggling a little bit because of so much of the feedback on the advice show has been frankly kind of like neutral to negative, um, mostly from flash forward fans, which is actually like hard for me to deal with and like figure out how to, how to kind of like process. Um, like quite frankly, it's really hard to start anything new right now in this year of 2020. And the reactions to advice have been so mixed that, um, I'm actually kind of considering stopping the show or like pausing and reassessing what I'm doing and whether it's worth it to do and to try to find this new audience um, while the current audience sort of doesn't like it or support it, um, which is interesting and kind of hard. Um, So uh, there's not going to be an advice episode this coming week on Tuesday. Normally there would be an advice episode. Um, I'm going to run, uh, the first episode of Open World, which is that podcast that I've talked about a little bit on these bonus episodes, um, which is coming out next week. It's actually coming out tomorrow, Monday. Uh, I'm recording this bonus podcast a little bit later than I usually do. Um, so, so yeah, I'm taking next, this coming week off, um, and that'll give me a little more time. I do have a couple more, um, interviews done for that show and a couple more episodes that are definitely going to go up. So there'll be a couple more, but I'm still kind of trying to figure out what to do with that. So, um, so yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. I will say like, if you like a show, it's always nice to like leave a nice review and like say that you like something. Cause often people like me tend to hear from people who don't like something, um, a lot more than they hear from people who like something. This is something that happened actually a lot last year when I did the, um, mini seasons and I did the sort of snow globe advice or the snow globe, um, intros. And I got so many emails and comments from people who hated it. And, I was really bad. And then later I, I kept hearing from people being like, Oh, I actually liked that. But I just never thought to like tell you that I liked it. So if someone that you like, and I would imagine that maybe if you're listening to this bonus podcast, you like the stuff that I do, if they try something new, um, and you like it, 
it's really nice to hear that from fans, um, either like email or, or iTunes reviews or, or on like Twitter or whatever it is, um, because most of the time we are often hearing only the people who hate something and that can be stressful. And I know that like some of you will be like, well, you shouldn't care what people think and like you should make whatever you want. And I know that that's true in theory, but like when you're getting all these messages, it's a lot harder to actually do that. So that's all stuff I'm thinking about. Um, and that's all for the sort of like behind the scenesy stuff. The book, I'm getting the, um, the proofs of the book soon. I'm really excited. I will share, um, some behind the scenes stuff on that on probably the show's like Instagram page, I think is probably the way that place that will go. Um, so you'll be able to see cool copies of the book. Um, I've been getting blurbs. I've been chasing blurbs, um, which is like, so not fun to have to email like famous people being like, hello, please pay attention to my book. Um, but I got a really nice blurb from a really, really lovely, um, writer who I'm sure you have heard of named Ed Yong, who writes amazing work at the Atlantic and is just an incredible, amazing person. And he gave a really good blurb for the book. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but yeah, just lots of emails asking for blurbs. So that's that. That's the only other thing. Um, I think that's it. Okay, and then at the end, a little secret as always. So um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a, a guide for The Wirecutter, which is, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a review site basically where we um, review products and the reviews tend to be really thorough. There's a lot of testing, um, you know, lots and lots of hours go into these reviews. And I have reviewed two things for the wire cutter. One, I have a, a tampon review for the wire cutter, which is actually relatively old and out of date. And the other one is a menstrual cup review. So I reviewed menstrual cups um, and it actually was a really fun project. I'll link to it in the show notes. If you are interested in menstrual cups, it's like everything you could possibly want to know about them, um, including like I, I wanted to test them in a standardized way. So I didn't want to test them necessarily just on myself. I wanted to test them in a way that was standard um, so I could also see what was going on. Obviously, like in the use of a menstrual cup, you can't really see what's going on because they're inside your body. Um, so I kind of wanted to be able to test them in a standard way. Um, and so I wound up trying to build a model vagina in my kitchen, which actually is way harder than you would think. So if you read the review, it's like 10,000 words and some of it is about that quest to try and, um, build that, uh, object. Um, and I've been updating it. So I've updated it a couple times and I'm actually currently in the process of testing out a new batch of cups that have come out recently and updating the guide, um, to have those, uh, those cups be in it. So it's always really fun. I actually really enjoy it. Um, and it's a, it's a fun thing to have, but because, you know, I get mailed these cups and then I test them in a variety of ways, which basically means that, um, I can't really donate them, um, because they've been opened and they're like a, you know, a sanitary product. So I have all of these cups in my house <laughs> and I actually have a little display case in my office that I'll put a picture of, um, where it's just all of, it's probably at this point, like 40 different menstrual cups on this display case that I actually kind of love. It's like a little art project. Um, so I'll send a picture of, you, of that, uh, to you all in the notes of the show. Um, okay, that's it. I hope you are having a great weekend. I hope you have a great week coming up and I will talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>